reached out to me, Father, we believe in the name of Jesus that who is ever in this pulpit, and I thank you for the privilege, Lord, this last Sunday of 2017, that I have the privilege of standing here and communicating your heart, mind, will, and purpose to your people today. Lord, it's a word for me, and I thank you, Lord, and it's a word to them that we will be changed as we confess by this. I also lift up in prayer those who are not with us today, Lord God, who are going to hear this message on computer, on their phones, or whatever, Lord God, they're going to be blessed by it. There's no time or distance with you. And Lord, I thank you that I release. You have permission, Lord, in this house to do whatever you want while I'm speaking, to heal the sick, to save the lost, Lord, whatever you want to do. And I thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. If we haven't mentioned it, the vision of House in the Rock is win, establish, and demonstrate. Say that. Win, establish, and demonstrate. We want to win the lost. We want to establish them because the Word of God tells us to make disciples. It means to make disciplined ones. Disciplined ones. Not flaky, not fruity, not nutty, like the granola bars. We're talking about people that are established, strong, and, and, and want to do what God wants to do in their life. And thirdly, demonstrate. And that's what I'm praying, that we see more in this church, the demonstration of the love of God, the love we have one for another, but also we see the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? That's what we're here to do. Paul said, my speech, my preaching, was not with enticing words of men, but in demonstration of the Holy Spirit and the power. Hallelujah. We say power. That their faith would not be based upon these enticing words of man's wisdom, but upon the power of of God's Word and the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. For the year 2018, I believe the Lord gave me three things that I need to make very clear before we proceed with the vision of 2018. The three characteristics that are strongly emphasized in the Word of God. And I kind of let the cat out of the bag Christmas Eve when I mentioned what they were. I'm not going to talk about that today. Because there are characteristics that must be possessed by the believer who wants to be used by God, mightily by God, in the last days. How many want to be used by God? And let me tell you something, folks. You're all called to be used of God. Every one of you. And you may think your job is so small compared to somebody else's job. You have to understand that God has designed you specifically. You have a unique DNA. You have a unique fingerprint. You have a unique voice print. You have an East retina print, unique, different than everybody else. And so God has designed you what, whatever you think that job is, and you ask God to do it, you do it with all your might. And understand that there's no small job. Say, I'm here for God's purpose. You would have never been created by God if you were not designed by God for a purpose. Now, before I can reveal those three things, which I'll reveal next week in the vision, I want to you have you fully understand two biblical principles that are revealed to us in the Word of God. The first principle came to my attention while I was praying a couple weeks ago. And I believe was the Lord was speaking specifically to me, but this principle of God applies to you. Say this, this applies to me. That's why you need to be listening. And everyone who's watching this by video or CD or on whatever, this is also a message for you. This is a word that was given to Israel. Despite all the sins they committed, despite all the times they turned away from God, 
God gave them a hope despite those sins that they committed against God. I like to read them to you. It's found in Isaiah 43, 18 through 19. This is something the Lord spoke to me. And I know people who know me say, finally. And it's a word that God is speaking to all of us today. Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19. God says, remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I'll even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Every one of us have a past, don't we? You weren't born today. Yesterday was the past. Today's the present. And tomorrow is the future. We have all done things that have disappointed God. And they have caused me at times, and hopefully not anymore, and you, that God remembers what we've done and he doesn't allow us to go forward to complete his calling upon our life. We've been disqualified, and that's not true. We believe we may be second-class citizens compared to those that we think have done no wrong. But I got news for you. Be assured of this very thing. All of us have done wrong at some point in our lives. I'm not going to have you turn to one another and say, you've done wrong. I don't want to give you an opportunity to start a fight on the way home. But listen to Romans 3.23. How many believe the word of God? It makes this very clear. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's why we can't point fingers at everybody else. Well, look what he did, but you don't understand what you've done. Look what she did, but you don't understand what you are doing. We're not here to judge. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter what anybody else has done. Oh, did you hear about this person, that person? You need to tell them to shut up. Because they're not perfect. None of us are perfect. That's why we need Jesus Christ. Paul had to deal with his past. But he realized that what was necessary, and he reveals it to us in his letter to the Christians at Philippi. And he says this, I'm kind of abbreviating it, in, in Philippians 3.13, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. What did Paul have to forget? Paul was a murderer. He was consenting to the death of the first Christian martyr, Stephen. He stood there while they stoned this man of God. And he condoned it. And it says that those who stoned Stephen brought their coats and laid him at the feet of Saul of Tarsus. He was responsible for dragging men, women, and children to jail because they were Christians. He broke up families. And maybe eventually those people died in prisons or were executed. I don't know. But he says, I wrecked havoc in the church. I did everything I could to destroy the church. And then he gets saved. He has a miraculous encounter with God. Hallelujah. A bright light shines. The horse rises up and he falls off the horse and he realizes it's Jesus, the one whom he's persecuting. And Jesus tells Christians who were afraid of Paul, Saul, now called Paul, that he was a voice to the heathen. He was a voice to the people that were not in the house of Israel. He was going to be used mightily of God. How was he qualified? Was he that great? Was he a great orator? Did he have great training? Look what he did. And all his life, if you read through the books of First and Second Corinthians, 
He's almost apologizing. <clears throat> He's trying to justify. He's trying to convince himself that God can use him. Imagine he writes in the word of God, that I may know him. Wow, Paul writes, that I may know God. He had an encounter with God. I, I never had Jesus appear to me. I never had an encounter. I've had some pretty cool encounters, but not like that. And he questions himself constantly. Why? Because he had a past. How many people can honestly say, don't raise your hand, that I have a past that I may be ashamed of? It may have been a word. It may have been a deed. It may have been something you've done over time. Maybe something you're doing right now, and you're ashamed of it. But just think about this guy, Saul of Tarsus. And he says this, again, this one thing I do, forget those things which are behind. Sounds like it's real easy to do, but it's very tough to do. Here's the principle that is revealed in all these scriptures. You ready? Our past does not determine our future. Say that. Our past does not determine our future. Make it personal. My past does not determine my future. Say it again. My past does not determine my future. And folks, your past can be one minute ago. Could be 10 years ago. Could be a year ago. Your past doesn't determine your future. And I had to realize that personally. It didn't matter what people said or continue to say about me or you. It's irrelevant. Because God doesn't look at your past. He's the God of today, the I am, and he's the God of tomorrow. Praise God. And that's why I entitled this message. And because we're off this week, we don't have any PowerPoint up there, but just listen, write it down or whatever. This title being formed by our past, but transformed for our future. Say this, I am formed. I was formed by my past, but I'm being transformed for my future. So you can never move forward in God if your eyes are on what if your eyes are on what lies behind you. Someone put it this way, and I love it. God doesn't equip us with rearview mirrors. A rearview mirror has one purpose. A backup camera has one purpose. It's to guide you backwards. A rearview mirror, you look into it, if you're using it properly, it's to guide you backwards, not forward. And we need to understand why God is called the I am. Who's, what's God's name? I am. Not the I was. The God I am. Every day is a new day to start all over. Isn't that great? I guess we were watching it. I don't know what program we were watching. We were laughing because it was so funny because this person would wake up in the morning and go, I'm not dead. You've got to wake up every day. And believe me, I know what that's like to fight. I had some incredible things in my past growing up and whatever, future, uh, close, close past, whatever, that I, I want to forget, I want to put behind me. And you can be assured that the devil constantly whispers in your mind what you have done. And I, let me eradicate a wrong thinking that I had in my life, that God has a big scoreboard up there. And when you get up there, you're going to see your score. You're going to see all the bad you did and all you good you did, and hopefully the good outweighs the bad, and that determines whether you go to heaven or not. Yet, 1 Corinthians 13, the book of love, right, which describes God's love, which I talked about, I guess, last time I spoke, the love of God, it says that God keeps no account of wrong. Isn't that great? Say, God keeps no account of all my wrongs. Every day is a new day. It says 
He forgives and he forgets when you repent. And we need to do the same thing with each other as brothers and sisters. People who come to this church may have a past, may have done things that are wrong, and we need to be brave enough and bold enough to say to ourselves, it doesn't matter, that was yesterday. God doesn't remember. It says he takes your sins and he throws them into the sea of forgetfulness. And as someone once said, we like to go fishing and bring up those things from the past. Because we'll never go forward keeping our eyes on the past. And sadly, we have been formed by our past. Psychologists say that we are formed what we believe, what our prejudices, our fears, our self-image, by the time we're between the ages of 8 and 12, it's probably earlier right now. Your image is determined by what you hear, see, feel, or whatever. When you watch TV, we all feel like fat slobs because everybody looks wonderful. When you look at magazines and you see these beautiful women, ladies, a lot of that stuff is, what do they call that? Airbrushed. I love HDTV when they get close-ups and you see the pimples and the freckles and the scars. And they all possess those. And we think that we're second class or inferior because we were formed to believe we should be a certain way, and it's not true. Because we are formed by information, what you put in. We're influenced by our childhood experiences, our parents, our family, our teachers, and our peers. They all influenced us. And we come to believe what we believe about us by what we have been taught in school, what we've been taught in church, if they go to church, and the people with whom we associate. And that's what's scary. Most younger generation children don't go to church. And their parents never talk about God. There's no Bible in the house. You got guys like Russell and our, and our youth trying to minister to the kids, and they have no idea what you're talking about. And this generation is going to become adults. And they know nothing about God. If they don't go to church, they're not going to hear anything about God. And maybe they try to watch something on TV, and like me, who didn't go to church, oh, I'll watch this guy on TV. This guy says healing's for today, and this guy says healing's not for today. This guy says healing's from God. This guy says healing's uh, sickness and disease is from God. Who do you believe? You've got to go where God tells you to go and stay there and hear what God is saying to you so you can grow up in God. Our beliefs, all that you are, was determined at a very young age. And without a biblical standard, we will learn to live by the principles of two kingdoms other than the kingdom of God. The kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of man, which unfortunately is influenced by the kingdom of darkness. And a man apart from God degenerates with each succeeding generation. Did you know that? We're not getting better. Not, well, not us. But mankind is not getting better. It's getting worse and worse and worse. Listen to how Paul describes the degenerate process of mankind and the individual. He talks about it in the book of Romans, and I'm going to read it out of the Message Bible because it's, it's very puts it down in real common English. Listen. What happened, this is Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 32. What happened was this. People knew God perfectly well, but when they didn't treat him like God, refusing to worship him, they trivialized themselves into silliness and confusion so that there was neither sense nor direction left in their lives. 
They pretended to know it all, but were illiterate. I'm sorry. Illiterate regarding life. They traded the glory of God, which holds the whole world in his hands, for cheap figures you can buy at a roadside stand. Mankind has gods, but they're not the God. They have other gods. So God said, in effect, if that's what you want, that's what you're going to get. It wasn't long before they were living in a pig pen, smeared with filth, filthy inside and out. And all this because they traded the true God for a fake God, and they worshiped the God they made instead of the God who made them. That's interesting. They worshiped the God that they made instead of the God who made them. Then God we bless, the God we bless, the God who blesses us, oh yes, they made false gods. Worse followed, refusing to know God, they soon didn't know how to be human. Women didn't know how to be women, men didn't know how to be men. Sexually confused, they abused and defiled one another, women with women, men with men, all lust, no love, and then they paid for it. Oh, how they paid for it. Emptied of God and love, godless and loveless wretches. Since they didn't bother to acknowledge God, God quit bothering them and let them loose. And then all hell broke loose. Rampant evil, grabbing, grasping, vicious backstabbing. They made life hell on earth while their envy, wanton, killing, bickering, cheating. Look at them. Mean-spirited, venomous, fork-tongued. That means they talk out of two sides of the mouth. God bashers, bullies, swaggerers, insufferable windbags. They kept, inter it, they kept inventing new ways of wrecking lives. They ditched their parents when they get in the way. Stupid, slimy, cruel, cold-blooded. It's not as if they didn't know better. They know perfectly well they're spitting in God's face, and they don't care. And worse, they hand out prizes for those who do the worst things. That's the degenerative process of not only mankind, but as an individual apart from God. But here's the cool thing. The vision at House on the Rock, the first one, is win. We're commanded to tell people about Jesus, to tell them what he's done for us, and to win them over. We are going to get a real awakening in 2018 of what it is to be without God versus God. We're going to see evil, but we're going to see great things in God. You've got to choose your side. And we need to recognize that our loved ones, if they were to die tomorrow, apart from God, are lost. We lost the opportunity to maybe get a little embarrassed, <coughs> to maybe have people talk funny about us, when in reality you're saving somebody's life from eternal damnation. Here's what happens. Though we may degenerate, here's what happens and can happen. When a person comes to their senses and sees the sad state they're in, their ears and their eyes will finally open up to receive their redemption. And that illumination or that revelation of their fallen and hopeless state will only come when someone presents the gospel to them. Not, as people said to me, you're going to hell. You're a horrible person. God doesn't like you. No, 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 no. Jesus died for the sin of the entire world. I want to let you know when you're lonely, you don't have to be lonely. I want you to know when you're sick, you don't have to be sick. I want you to know when you're fighting something and maybe you have to go through surgery, you have to go through times in life where you feel alone, that God is there with you. That God is your provider. God is your protector. God is your healer. God is your father. He loves you. When you start telling people that, 
They may put up the wall at first, but it has to get through. The gospel permeates anything, and it gets into the heart of that person. And they may refuse it at that moment. At some point in their lives, they're going to remember what you said. Yeah, maybe you got embarrassed. Maybe they picked on you. Maybe they called you a bad name. And maybe they don't want to be your friend anymore. But you can walk away knowing you planted seed. And that seed, eventually, is either going to have to be dug out of the ground by their choice, or it's going to sprout. The illumination, I'm saying it again, the illumination or revelation of their fallen state, their helpless state, will only come when the gospel of truth is revealed to them. My cousin, who's a pastor's wife, used to say to me, black spots show up clear on a white sheet. I said, what the heck does that mean? When you show people the white, when you show people the gospel, the truth, they'll begin to understand where their life is, apart from God, lost. They're lost, and they're heading straight to destruction. And then there's only one hope. Though you and I were formed by our past, you can be transformed for your future. The way you are today, God loves you, but he has great plans for your life. Things are going to change. Say that. And that future is one of expectation, anticipation, and joy. It's called hope, which fuels a faith in our Father God and his word, a faith in his promises, and a faith that I have a glorious future. Doesn't matter what I see, feel, or hear. God is in control now. I've given him my life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will direct your path, your steps. There's only one hope. Though you were formed by your past, you can be transformed for your future. And again, the future is one of expectation, anticipation, and joy. I love what God said to Jeremiah. We like to quote it a lot in Jeremiah 29, 11. And I believe any word that's given to any man or person in that word of God is also given to us. So say this, I receive this. God says, for I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts and plans for welfare and peace and not for evil to give you a hope in your final outcome. Say this, I have hope in my final outcome. Philippians 1.6 says this, being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. We're making you say a lot today, but repeat it. I am under construction. I'm getting better than I was and will ever be. Without God, I should say. Though you may have been formed by your past, you will be and can be. It's your choice. You will be and you can be. It's your choice. Transformed for your future. Say that if you want it. Say, I want to be transformed for my future. <clears throat> God says, don't look back. Look forward. Don't allow your past to dictate your future. Make a decision today. I will be transformed. I love the prayer of David as recorded in Psalm 138 and verse 8, I quote this a lot for me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Forsake not the work of thine own hands. Good prayer to pray. Well, how does transformation come? If you come to this church for any time at all, you know what the scripture is I'm going to refer to. 
It's a request by God for you to be transformed. It's found in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Paul says, because he's lived through it, My brethren, I beseech you, I plead with you, I ask you to offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice to God, which is your reasonable service. And let me kind of summarize it. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to the way you are today. Don't let your past dictate your present. Don't be conformed with the way you used to think, speak, or live, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. How does transformation come? It comes by personal sacrifice. We're to offer ourselves a living sacrifice. That's a word that this generation and even my generation does not understand or like. It's a sacrifice to go to church. You sacrifice something to come here today, and you don't think God sees that? It's better than bringing a lamb in here and cutting its head off or slitting its throat and offering blood. You're offering your own blood today. You braved the elements. You made God a priority, and you came to church. Now, you say, listen, I didn't go to church, but I understand this so well now. How can going to church be such an important thing? Because whatever, what other thing has God asked you to do on a regular basis? I'll pray and read the word. Yeah. He's always had a place for people to gather in an area under the leadership of one who God calls to teach you the word of God. I'm honored to be your pastor. I tell you, I'm not in favor. I will do a church here. I'll do one when I want Listen, where are you called? I'm called everywhere. No, you're not. You don't place people places. You're called places. I would make sure if I was starting a church somewhere else that I'd be on my face praying, God, who are you calling to go there? And is that person being called? So when we get together, yes, God spoke to me, and yes, God spoke to me, and yes. Instead of, I'm going to do this. Listen, man. I came out of the business world. It wasn't too much different in that world than it is in the church world. The way pastors compete, compete, compete. I get off this soapbox. How does transformation come? It comes by personal sacrifice. We offer up our bodies a living sacrifice. What does that mean? Day-to-day. Day-to-day responsibility and day-to-day practice. As a sacrifice. What does that mean? It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you time and diligence and persistence and consistence. You do that for a lot of things in your life. Now God's saying, do it for me. To do what? To be transformed. How? By renewing your mind. To what? To what God says versus what you have been taught or what you have heard or what you've learned by experience or by education. Why were we formed? We were formed by what was put in. In formation. What I put in formed me. What mom and dad put in formed me. What my friends put in formed me. What I was taught in school formed me. There are so many people in youth group that leave churches and they go to college. And you know colleges, and again, no offense to college professors, the ones that are doing their job, praise God. But the ones that think 
they know it all, and they're going to change truth. I sat in a sociology class. I went to Monmouth University, and I took a class in sociology, and I was a Christian. I wasn't going to church, but I was a Christian. And they were talking about the creation of man, you know, the Big Bang Theory, and, you know, we all came from slimy things that crawled out of the ocean, and, it, man, it's really tough. And I'm sitting here listening to this stuff, and the oldest man ever found was Australopithecus, and uh, this is, we, we descended from apes and all that. And I sat there. I had to take the class, but I'm going, I don't believe this stuff. I don't even go to church. But I'll never forget, the day the class was over, the professor asked if he could talk to me. And he said, I know what you believe, and I just want to share something with you that I cannot teach. That they have found the remains of men that are older than the oldest fossils that they claim from which man has descended. Perfect men. Perfect skeletons of men who were here while these monkeys were out here. He said, I can't teach you that, but I just want you to let you know. Now, you'll never hear that anywhere. We are created by God. But people hear that. People who went to church, young people that go to church come back, and they don't go to church because God is dead. God is not real. Why? Because professor or doctor, God told me the truth, the real truth. Ah, you've been treated, you've been taught wrong. Oh, my God, these guys are going to stand before God. I need to be transformed. We're formed by what's put in. And what we put in will transform us. Interesting word, trans. I looked it up. It means to go from where you are to where you need to be. Transportation. How many drove here in a car? I didn't see any monkeys, or I'm, I'm sorry, any mules or giraffes or, or, or horses outside. You came here in a car. You went from where you were to here you were transported, you took transportation to get where you are to where you need to be. From here to there. The here is what your past made you. But the there is where God wants you to go. And that word trans, that prefix, Latin means across. So as a prefix, it means to go over, to across, to go across, to go beyond and through. And so when Romans 12, 2 tells us that when you need to have your mind transformed, it means you are going over to across and beyond our past, through to our future, then as the Amplified Bible puts it, you will be able to prove for yourselves what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God, even the very thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. You know why people don't know the truth? They don't read the truth. They get the truth from somebody else. The Amplified Bible makes this transformation process a little clearer. Listen to Romans chapter 12, verse 2 in the Amplified Version. Do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after or adapted to its external superficial customs. To me, my translation, don't be conformed to its thinking, speaking, in living. The Amplified continues, but be transformed, be changed. 
by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitudes. Jesus said, change your priorities. The way you think, the way you speak, and the way you act. Change. Jesus says, make change your biggest priority in your life. Make a decision, I am not going to think the way I used to think. I'm not going to speak the way I used to speak. I'm not going to act the way I used to act, and I'm not going to react the way I used to react. I'm going to begin to speak, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to begin to think, speak, and act, and react as God would. So I have to learn the kingdom of God principles and live the kingdom of God principles. I have to think God's way speak God's way, and live God's way. That's why when you read the Word of God compared to the way everybody else is doing it, it may be different. I have a hard time fathoming a truth that Jesus gives us. Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. Which tells me I've got to change my thinking a little bit. Even as a Christian, a good person, I will have enemies. I'm going to have people who hate me. I'm going to have people that are trying to do me harm, that speak against me, that persecute me. Smite them, O Lord. Break their teeth, as the Bible says. We can't be that way in the New Testament. I used to read in the Bible that these, your enemies, you take the coals, the hot coals, and put it on their head. Burn their brains out, Lord. <laughs> That's not what that means. It means to take coals off the altar of mercy. And place them upon their head. By how? By prayer. That's a tough one for me. I don't know about you guys. I mean, I, you can ask Judy. I, I get upset when people cut me off. Or they sit at a light too long. I'm from New Jersey. Beep. I drove in New York for 11 years. I worked in the city for nine years. For nine years, I worked in the city. You know, you. you I don't understand how people make a right turn from the left lane. I learned that a shoulder is what you get on before you turn, right? No. Some people, they're in the left lane, put the right blinker on, and go, what in the world is this guy doing? And I always say, thank God I don't have a laser on my car. <laughs> One less jerk on the road, right? Well, if that was the case, I would have been vaporized a long time ago, and so would you. See, God's way of thinking is different than our thinking because God sees a bigger plan. God's way of speaking is different because, folks, your words have power. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You can speak life to something or you can speak death to something. You can speak death to your marriage. You can speak death to your kids. You can speak death to your job. You can speak death to your car. You stupid car. 
You never start. Well, guess what? You get in what you say. We learned I can't speak the way I used to speak. I have to speak the way God spoke. I have to bind what is already bound in heaven, and I loose that has already been loosed in heaven. I use the authority of the word of God. I use the authority of the name of Jesus. I learned that my mouth is a weapon. Point your mouth. Say, this thing kills or gives life. Your words have power. Your words never, they, they, will, they will produce. So I have to speak the way God speaks. And I also have to act the way God acts and react the way God reacts. So next time I will get out of my car. Bless you, my son. Bless you, my daughter. I don't think so. But we're learning. Judy's learning and I'm learning. She's helping me and I'm helping to control our mouth and what we say and how we act and react. So Jesus says, well, how, how, how do I accomplish this? How do, how do I transform myself, my thinking, my speaking, my living? Because I'm talking about the year 2018 that's coming. We've got to forget about 2017. And I know you, Chuck, you tell me all the time, we've got to forget about what this church was, good and bad, and think about what God is going to do. Listen, I'm not into the number stuff. I used to be, I'm not into it. Because, you know, I hear guys of the same faith as us, other churches, not too far, boasting about the numbers. You know, go down to St. James on a Sunday. Let's see how big your church is. You know where St. James is, right? They, 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 they accomplish what the group, I guess, I was associated with is let's just have shorter messages. I don't know about you, but when I went to the Catholic Church, you were there an hour or more. Right? And then they shorten the messages. And they start having multiple services. Ooh. And then they start having campuses everywhere. St. Jude, St. James, St. Joseph, St. Mary. Saint... It's not anything new. I need to think the way God thinks. You know what God says? If one person comes to church and it's you, God bless you. And if God gives me a word and you're the only one here, it's for you. And when I stand before God and I boast about the numbers and all that, he's going to go, you didn't do a thing I told you to do. I want to think like God thinks. I want to speak like God thinks. I want to act like God thinks. So, so how do we do this? Well, Jesus gave us a tip. He says, you know, you worry about everything. You worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, blah, blah, whatever. And we could pile more on that. And he says this, guys, seek first the kingdom of God. And all this other stuff will be added to you. In other words, God will provide for you. God is your provider. God's your protector. And God has put you in a position of sonship or daughtership. And he will provide for you. Trust him. He will provide for you. Jesus says, seek first. What's that mean? Number one priority. Why did I start going to church? I figured I better obey God. I'm going to seek God. Where am I going to receive the word of God? I'm going to receive from a guy that's anointed by God to preach the word of God to me. And you've got to go where God tells you to go. And when he tells you to go there, stay there. When my wife, late wife finally got saved, we went to an assembly of God, became the 
fastest growing assembly of God on the East Coast. And we loved it there. And we visited this church called Faith Fellowship one day when it was in the little school. And I sat there and I'm going, dear God, get me out of here. Remember how long the services were? Hours. The music was long. It was loud. And they were clapping. What are you, drinking? And I remember saying, we walked out of there like this. We will never go back to this church. And we went back to the church we were at and satisfied with just sitting and whatever. And then dreams. Boy, the Holy Ghost can be annoying sometimes. God, thank you. We finally said to one another, you know what? We've got to go back to that church. I don't, this is where God wants us to go. And I went back, and I went back there for how many years I was there. And I didn't always agree with the pastor. And I, you know, I could say some things, but I won't. But I didn't always get my way or get invited to his house and get mad and leave, which some people have done. I said, God told me to go here. And I'll never forget when the day came for me to go, we had a guest speaker. It was during a pastor's conference. And I had spoken to my pastor and his wife. And I said, the Spirit of God told me that I am to go to Pennsylvania and start a church. And they were, I thought they were thrilled for me. At least they always act that way. But I've heard him talk about other people that weren't supposed to go. And this guy comes down, well-known speaker. I won't tell you his name. Comes down to the platform and says to me, this is your church. This is your home. And he went back up on the platform. And I'm thinking, they must have been talking about me. But they weren't. And I never forget, I took the pastor's wife out immediately. I said, do you believe I'm called or not called? And she gave me one of the biggest compliments I've ever got in my life. We know, Jim, that you fear God more than you fear any man. That's all I needed to hear. But I knew this is where God said to be. But I'm going to tell you, there were years when you've been through some of that stuff too. Because Fran went to the same church I did. There were times I said, I'm out of here. And the Spirit of God said, you ain't going anywhere. You ain't going anywhere. And the Spirit of God gave me, uh, 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 showed me in the Word of God where, and I shared this with you, where David had the opportunity to kill Saul. Saul was the king. He had no longer the Spirit of God. He was possessed of the devil almost, trying to kill David. And, and David would not kill him because he was still God's king. This boy prays, if I don't belong here, God, Get me out of here. Any pastor should pray that. But I had to learn to listen. And I had my mind renewed at that church. My pastor taught me the word of God, and then my mind was renewed. And I began to think like God thinks and speak, but not perfect yet, speak like God speaks and act and react like God commands. The bottom line is this, folks. As we go into 2018, as I get ready to present the vision, what I believe God is calling this church to do, see, each vision piles on top of the other one. It doesn't eradicate it. When you go out the doors, look at those marble-like plaques. You gave us the first one, Pat and Chuck, and we went and got another one made about being a place of refuge. Read it. That's what the Lord said. We've been that place. And now 2018, we add to that, and I'll tell you what that is next time. Bottom line is this. Stop looking back. Stop looking at the way you are or the way you were and start looking forward to what you are about to become. I'll prophesy in the name of Jesus because it's according to the word of God. You will not be the same people as you are today 
tomorrow. You will be better. And God will use you. You'll hear his voice clearer if you're faithful. Colossians 1.13 says this. We have been delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of his son. And I love the way the Amplified Bible puts it. And I'm almost done. The Father has delivered us and drawn us to himself out of the control and the dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of his son by his love. To believe in this transformation, this is me, of who you were to who God wants you to be may be accomplished by Jesus on the cross. Praise God. But it has to be received by faith which is required by you and by me. And that decision, the growing God, has to be yours. It has to be the determination and the sacrifice to renew your mind to what God says and not what men say. What does God say? I got pretty cocky lately. I say it in my mind when somebody tells me something about me and I have to say, well, what does God say? I don't tell it to them, but what does God say? The doctor may tell you something that whatever, you know, uh, I don't know why God does the way things he does. He's God. But when God says something in his word and you say something contrary, I have to say to myself, well, what does God say? Folks, it's going to come to this church. And I hope people who are not here today who come to this church, and there's many more, probably as many as here today, there's more than that that are not here. Vacation, weather, whatever. I hope they hear this message to say this. Make a determination today. Make it a resolution and say to God, Lord, help me to be determined, to be focused, and make a decision to be consistent that I will pursue you with all my heart. Oh, I got a job to do, I got work. But if it takes just one second every day, say, Lord, I want to be in your perfect will. Lord, I want to change. And get yourself in church. Get yourself in the word and begin to change. Say this, I will be transformed in Jesus' name. I want us all to stand for one minute. I'm going to do an altar call for those to be saved. But I want all of you who are standing, and I I, I can't make you do this, but we're going to make a declaration today about wanting to be changed and forgetting our past. And I'm going to make it too. And if you don't have to say it if you don't want to, I could bring you up here individually and lay hands on you, but my laying hands on you is not going to make you make the right decision. You've got to do it today. So put your hand on your heart. If you don't want to, I'm not going to close my eyes so I don't see who's doing it. Not. You don't have to do this if you don't want. But say this, Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit, to help me to change. I want to be transformed into who I am today to what you want me to be. I thank you, Father God, that I make the decision. Give me the dedication, the diligence, and the ability to keep my word, to pursue your truth, to read your Bible, my Bible, to go to church with open ears and make this decision today. I will speak as God speaks. I will think as God thinks. I will act as God acts. I will react as God acts. Today, I make a decision. December 31st, 
2017 that I will be transformed in Jesus' name. If you believe that, I want you to shout and clap your hands. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Now you can be seated for one more minute. Some of you here, I kind of recognize all your faces, but some of you here need to make a decision. You've never realized that you're not going to go to heaven by your good deeds. You never knew that. Oh, good deeds are important. But they come out of an appreciative spirit of knowing who Jesus is. When you know who Jesus is, what he's done for you, that he died in your place, that he took on your punishment, that it's easy to do good because you do it out of appreciation. Every day God blesses you, so I want to bless him back. We love him because he first loved us. With every head bowed, every eye closed, pray if there's anyone in this room that has never crossed over from death into life by what the Bible says must happen. What will you do with Jesus today? He is the Son of God. He came to earth, took on your sin from the day you were born to the day you died. took on your sin and suffered an incredible punishment by his own father, by his own will, to be punished for you. So the word of God is true, that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You're saved by your faith in Jesus Christ and what he's done for you. Every day you say thank you. You go to church out of appreciation. You pray out of appreciation. You read the word out of appreciation. You give out of appreciation. Jesus, thank you. And if you're here today and you've never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sin, you've never confessed him as of your Lord and Savior, you never said, Lord, come into my heart. Today we're going to pray that prayer to make it so. So let's pray this together. Father, I believe with all my heart what your word says. I am a sinner. And I can't save myself. But Jesus, Son of God, you went to a cross and you bore my sin. You were punished for my sin. Thank you, Jesus. I recognize you as the Son of God and the one who died for me. You are my Savior. Today I make you my Lord. Come into my life. Today I declare that you are my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me.